Hello, you're listening to the Hosanna Houston podcast. Hosanna Houston is a church for all people, transforming lives through love and generosity. Here, we revisit Sunday sermons from Pastor Edwin Guerra. Jesus, there's nothing better than to know that you are in control. Our tiredness, Father God, the overwhelming worries of this world, Father God, we can come this morning and lay them before you. Just take a moment right where you are. Jesus, we love you. How good it is to have this hope in you, Jesus, that you are faithful, that you are always there. We give you the honor. We give you the glory. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Good morning. It is good to be in the house of God. Amen. Thank you for being here. If you're watching us, thank you for joining us. We would love to have you here, but if you're there, then get comfortable. And we're going to get into week three of the series Return. So if you have your Bible, open your Bible in the book of 2 Thessalonians, chapter one, and we're going to start there. I'm going to start by saying that a right view of the return of Jesus or the second coming, the right view of the second coming has powerful, okay, powerful present effects in our pursuit of holiness, in our pursuit of sanctification, in our pursuit of the capacity that we have to love people and one another and the ability that we can have to reject sin. How we view the return of Jesus has a lot to do with how we respond to these things. And for anyone that is in Christ Jesus, amen, anyone that is in Christ Jesus, his return is going to be glorious for you and I beyond all of imaginations, anything that you can think of, it will be glorious. Second Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10 says this. When he comes on that day, it's not if he comes, but when he comes on that day, he will receive glory from all his people, his holy people, praise from all who believe. And this includes you. For you believed what we told you about him. Amen to that. But in that day or on that day, the day of his return, for those who did not put their trust in Jesus, who did not believe, who never received him as their Lord and Savior, it will be a scary, scary day to meet Jesus unprepared. And it is necessary and biblical that Jesus comes back and triumphs over, the, over Satan and over evil on this earth. It is necessary that he abolishes all ungodliness and he establishes his kingdom here on earth. It is necessary for that to happen and the world needs to know that it will happen. 
He will bring a new heaven. He will bring a new earth. So that there is only righteousness and peace on earth. And everything that God has ever designed for this earth to be and for us to be will come to pass. Amen? If someone or if we did say that Jesus didn't have to come back, it would be a tragedy. It would actually, nothing in the Bible would actually be true if that didn't have to happen, and it will happen. Hear this out, the redemption of our lives, the transformation that has begun in our lives, the, the, the rest, restoration of who we are in Christ Jesus cannot be complete until his return. Until he comes, we will be like him. Philippians chapter 3, go to your Bible, verse 20 and 21. These type of messages of the second coming and the return of Jesus, they are the best kind of messages for the ones who believe in Jesus Christ because this is what we are waiting for. Nothing else. This is the goal, right? To one day see Jesus face to face, right? This is why we gather because we are pursuing Jesus because we want to honor him in the time that we have here on this earth, because we know that one day we will spend eternity with him. So Philippians 3, uh, chapter 3, verse 20 and 21 says this, But we are citizens of heaven, where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. I don't know about you, but more than ever lately, I so want him to return more than ever. There is a desire in my heart to see Jesus just, just come. In the meantime, we will do our best. But Lord, just come back for your people. Verse 21 says, he will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own. Using the same power in which he will bring everything under his control. Once again, we talked about this last week. It is all about him and nothing else. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. This will happen at the second coming of Jesus. And it is essential that it happens and that you and I can understand what this will look like. He is returning for his church. He is retur returning for us. I want you to go back to the Old Testament, not too far, but right at the end of the Old Testament, the book of Malachi, we're going to read chapter 4. First few verses of chapter 4, first six verses actually of chapter 4, starts in verse 1, and it says, The Lord of heaven's army says, The day of judgment is coming, burning like a furnace, 
And on that day, the arrogant and the wicked will be burned up like straw. They will be consumed, roots, branches, and all. Verse 2, but for you who fear my name, that is you and I, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. Amen to that. You will go free. You will go free. That is a promise to those who are in Christ Jesus. So we do not fear the return of Jesus, but we are eagerly waiting and desiring to one day be with him. And it says, and we will go free, leaping with joy like calves led out onto pasture. Verse 3, on that day when I act, you will tread upon the wicked as if they were dust under your feet, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Verse 4, remember to obey the laws of Moses, my servant, all the decrees and regulations that I gave him on Mount Sinai for, Israel, for all of Israel. Verse 5, look, I am sending you the prophet Elijah before the great dreadful day of the Lord arrives. Verse 6, his preaching will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of their children to their fathers. Otherwise, I will come and strike the land with a curse. So when Jesus the Messiah arrived on this earth, he did not arrive like a burning furnace or a tra trampling his enemies. But instead, he came as a son of righteousness with healing in his wings. And it was difficult for that time for the people of Israel to understand why they were waiting and expecting him to come and defeat their enemies, the Romans, their oppressors. And they wanted them, him to come and reign and rule over them so they can have a happy life. Instead, Jesus came the first time to bring people hope and healing and everlasting life for those who believe in him. And he came in the most humble and most quiet of ways. Look at what Philippians chapter 2, verse 6 to 8 says quickly there. It says, though he was God, he did not think of, of equality with God as something to cling to. Think about that. Think about how many arrogant people are out there in the world. And Jesus himself, being equal to God, did not think of himself as equal to God. He came in the most humble way. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being when he appeared in human form. Verse 8, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. So on the first coming of the Messiah, the punishment of sin, all sin, was finished. This is why he came the first time. He came to pay the price. It is finished, he said. He was the provision for the righteousness that we needed. He did it all. The payment for our sins cannot be perfected anymore or improved. It is done and paid for. Amen? You cannot do anything else. There is no good deed that you can do that it will appease, appease God's wrath because Jesus already did that. 
if we are united with Jesus by faith in him as our Lord and Savior, when the second coming comes, when he returns, listen to this, we cannot be more forgiven than we are already because he already came and paid the price. So it will never be about works. It will always be about faith in the one who did it all. Amen? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 says this, that we were saved by faith. God saved you, Ephesians 2, 8, by his grace. When you believed, and you can't take credit for this, it is a gift from God, since we know that our salvation is now closer than ever. Listen to what Romans 13, 11 says. This is all the more urgent. It is urgent that we know that he is coming and he is coming for us. For you know how late it is. Romans 13, 11. Romans 13, 11. Time is running out. Wake up. I wonder why the Bible says wake up on this verse. Could it be that many are asleep at the wheel of their lives when it comes to their eternity? Could it be that he knows that many who have at one point believed are asleep or blinded completely when it says, wake up? The Bible doesn't say things just because it sounds cool. The Bible says things because they need to be said, and they are the word of God that you and I need to hear. And it says, wake up for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. So if you came to Christ 30 years ago, great. All that means is that you're a little older. But you need to know that Jesus is closer. Our salvation is closer today than it was on that day. So the eagerness, the, the, the desire for him to return should be greater today in our lives than ever before. We are pursuing Jesus at all cost. All right, let's go to Matthew chapter 24. We'll read a couple of verses, not too many there. I want you to, if you're watching this at home, to read chapter 24, the whole thing, 24 and 25, when you get home. I'm not going to read the whole thing here today. I don't have that, that much time. But I want you to go home and read chapter 24 and 25. We're talking about the return of Jesus Christ. So this will help a little bit, right? So just get some context of what I'm talking about. But I'll go through a couple of verses here, please. So book of Matthew chapter 24, uh, 24 verse 3. And here are the disciples of Jesus asking for some type of clue, some kind of uh, uh, sign or anything that will help them when they ask, what does this look like? When is this going to happen? Matthew 24, 3 says, Later Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives. His disciples came to him privately, so that means away from the crowds, and said, tell us, what, when will all this happen? So Jesus had gone through a list of things. He goes through a list of things, all of chapter 24 and 25. What sign will signal your return and the end of the world? And all the way to verse 8, you see Jesus, if you read it at home, 
begins to tell them the things that are going to happen, not only where, at that time, but around the world. And if we're honest, you and I can see ourselves when we read these verses what has already happened around the world. And in verses 9, 10, and 11, we see that Jesus says about the things that are going to happen to the church and to those who believe. So now it's affecting those who believe in Christ, and he's saying exactly some of the things that we're going to go through as a church that we might be living, and some people around the world on the other side of the world have been living already. And how many false prophets and fluffy messages are going to be out there that tickle your ear, the Bible says. It just gives you what you want to hear so you don't feel bad. And they will deceive many, he said. Then he says in verse 12 and 13, this is Jesus speaking, Matthew 24, 12 and 13. Sin will be rampant everywhere. I wonder if that's happening right now. And the love That means they had some love. The love of many will grow cold. The love of who? The love of those who said they loved Jesus. Look around you. People's hearts are cold. We are living in these days. Verse 13 says, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. We've said it from this pulpit and in Bible studies and in anything. Listen to this. The key to success of the Christian life is perseverance. That you endure, that you keep at it. That you don't stop lifting yourself up and saying, Jesus, I messed up. I need you today more than yesterday. And I'm sure I will in the next week, in the next month, in the next year, and for the rest of my life. This is about perseverance. About you understanding that we are not perfect. No one is standing here saying, live a perfect life. I would be a hypocrite in lying to you if I demanded that. That is not what it's saying. It's saying, pursue him in all the areas of your life. Because that is the only thing that will hold to the end and that it will endure until Jesus Christ comes back. Verse 13 says, but the ones who endure to the end will be saved. We see that these things are already happening today. You yourself may know someone that is going through this, having a cold heart for Jesus. Maybe you are going through this and you have a cold heart for Jesus. It is not too late because you woke up today. You still have a chance. Then Jesus says in verse 14, and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world. Why the need to preach this? Because so that all nations will hear it and then the end will come. This is why. 
so that no one can ever say, I did not know. Yes, you and I did know. I'll finish with this. I'll conclude with this. What does this mean for us? That's all good and a little trembling to hear, but that's good. If you have forgotten about some of these verses, go home and read them so that your heart is stirred up, so that the Holy Spirit does something to us. It can awaken those who are asleep. I'll finish with this. So what does this mean for us? It means that Jesus, no doubt, will return for his church. No doubt. And it is closer today than ever before. It means that all of us need to understand that we cannot just coast through this life. We cannot just go nonchalant about life and eternity. Because eternity, it's at stake. Not another 80, 90, 100, 120 years on this earth. That's nothing. Eternity, it's at stake. It means that we share this truth always and to everyone that we can share this truth to. Look at what Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17 says. It says, for I am not ashamed of the good news about Christ. Amen. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and then the Gentile also. This good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. Listen, because we have to be right in his sight. You cannot just be a good person. I'm sorry, there are plenty of good people in hell. And we are not good people. We are horrible people without Christ. Jesus needs to be the center of our lives. And it says, verse 17, this good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from the start uh, to finish by faith. And the scripture says, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. Believe in Jesus. It's not your good deeds, it's not your good looks, it's not your actions, it's not, it's Jesus, faith in Christ that saves you. So in the end, the kingdom of God, listen to this, is like the 10 bridesmaids. And you guys have heard this, Matthew 25, verse 1 through 4, and these are the last verses I'm reading, it says, the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. So 50-50. I pray that that's the percentage today. But I doubt it. In this case, it says five were foolish and five were wise. The five who were foolish did it, didn't take enough olive oil for their lamps. But the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. All ten of them had a job to do. You have a job to do. 
They had lamps. The lamps were supposed to be ready, ignited when he came. Are you ready? Does your lamp have enough oil? Are you pursuing? And if it doesn't have anyone, what are you doing about your spiritual state? We cannot coast through this life when it comes to our spirituality in Christ Jesus. He is knocking. Listen to this. Jesus is coming. Light up your lamps. Amen? Light up your lamps. We cannot hide from this. No one is exempt from this. But this is joyous, joyous for those who are in Christ Jesus. This is victory to the fullest. This is great news. Come, Jesus, come. Return for your church. Return for your people. Return for those who are crying out. Thank you so much for listening to the Osana Houston podcast. If you have any questions or prayer requests, feel free to email us at info at osanahouston.org. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Osana Houston. If you would like to donate, visit our website, osanahouston.org.